Welcome to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show today. I'm excited for this conversation about IT transformation. My guests today are Angie Heisey, the Civil Group President for Lidos, David Shive, the Chief Information Officer at the General Services Administration, Rod Turk, the Acting CIO at the Commerce Department, and Margie Graves, the Acting Federal Chief Information Officer. Welcome to the program. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion today. The latest data from the Federal IT Dashboard shows agencies are spending almost 71% of their technology budgets on operations and maintenance, less than 21% on development, modernization, and enhancement for systems. Now, despite these long-time efforts uh, the swing, to swing the pendulum toward DME and away from O&M or legacy systems, agencies have struggled to implement new technology. The Office of Management budget continues to encourage, to support, to push agencies to change their spending habits by investing in things like cloud and shared services. And as the Modernizing Government Technology Act, MGT Act, works its way through Congress, agencies can take steps to address these longstanding challenges. For instance, OMB is working with the White House's Office of American Innovation on a 90-day sprint addressing a host of initiatives on everything from cyber to cloud security to citizen services and the mechanisms that support them. Now, at the same time, OMB also is pushing agencies toward shared services for commodity and back office functions and systems. In fact, in President Donald Trump's 2018 budget request to Congress, OMB writes that agencies can modernize and share IT and services by adopting government-wide standards, use the standards to reduce contract duplication for IT and professional services and replace legacy systems with modern solutions and services. Now at the same time, agencies are looking toward the cloud, modern infrastructures to improve how they deliver their mission areas. A couple examples, the FCC, the Federal Trade Commission, the FBI have all taken advantage over the last few years of cloud, mobile computing, and more compute power to impact their mission in dramatic ways. One example is the FBI and its Next Generation Identification, or NGI, system. In 2016, it helped law enforcement officials process 650,000 criminal transactions daily versus just 160,000 a decade ago. The re response time for searches today generate responses in less than 10 seconds, down from two hours in 2000. And NGI's accuracy rate is above 99.6%, up from 92% under the old system called IAFIS. Now, as the FBI has shown, modernization of systems can have a dramatic impact on mission success. So whether it's back office or mission systems, agencies need to focus on transforming its infrastructure and understanding user needs. So with that context in place, let's begin our conversation. Once again, my guests are Angie Heise, the Civil Group President for Lidos, David Shive, the CIO for the General Services Administration, Rod Turk, the Acting CIO at the Commerce Department, and Margie Graves, the Acting Federal Chief Information Officer. Let me start with Rod, you're just to my left here. Uh, obviously, given everything that's happening in, in the government, all the different issues that you guys face with IT modernization, transformation, talk about how the, that effort and, and your mission kind of come together. Well, at the uh, Department of Commerce, we've actually had some successes in uh, moving away from operations and maintenance and increasing the percentage of development within the organization. So for example, uh, Patent and Trademark Office is doing some very significant uh, transformation in their systems, uh, developing new systems to prosecute patents as well as trademarks. Um, but also, as we look at the census organization, uh, census as it moves forward to 2020 is uh, making significant improvements in the way that they're doing their IT uh, within the department. Um, so it's interesting, though, as we look at that transformation and, and the discussion about transformation, um, I really believe that uh, we need to look further into the future. Um, you know, the successes of today will not necessarily prepare us for the things that are going to come to us uh, in the future. So I really believe that there's going to be a greater digitization uh, within not only the federal government but also within industry as, it, as we move forward. So we need to be looking at how the digital economy, how digitization is going to affect the way we do business, um, Internet of Things, those kinds of, of, of uh, technologies, so that uh, we are then not only prepared today to move into DME, but also, you know, what, do, what does the future look like? How can we prepare today to develop the strategy for the future digital economy, digital government that we, we need to be putting forward? And that, I think, is going to be a challenge. So for the future strategy piece, we're going to turn to Margie, but we're going to wait on Margie for a second and, and talk to Dave Shai from uh, GSA real quick. Dave, you guys have been on the path for the last several years of modernization, transformation, and really GSA, you know, I think deserves a lot of credit f from that perspective because the mission side is really what drives you all the time. So talk a little bit about your efforts. Sure. So thanks. Yeah, we're fortunate that we've had a couple of turns at the crank on the modernization side. 
side. Actually, we started most of our work in late 2011, so we've seen some really good outcomes. Um, you know, our, our goal here is to provide better, more present tech for the business of GSA um, at greater value. And that value can look like a few different things. Better cybersecurity, lower costs, better user experience and customer experience uh, and stuff like that. And uh, we've made that investment, we've made that play multiple times now um, and seen some really good outcomes. Uh, when we ask our employees through our employee viewpoint survey, what do you think about your use of technology and solving your business needs and your business mission? All the numbers have gone up as we've gone through this modernization play. When we assess uh, the value uh, on the dollars and cents side, we've been able to provide better technology, cl more closely aligned with the mission of GSA, highly mobile-enabled mission um, that can do work anywhere, anytime. We're able to do that while also saving 19% of our budget uh, over that time period. So by most measures, we're doing um, better, um, but then the greatest value is uh, we're able to then turn those savings, greater cybersecurity, greater cost savings, and redirect those efforts towards the true mission of GSA, which is providing for the federal suite of buildings in the federal government and acquisition and technology for our uh, other customers. So 19% of the budget reduced over time. Does that put more pressure on you as the CIO to deliver? I mean, it affects people, it affects resources, it affects all the, all, the, all the downstream things, too. It does. You know, with success comes increased expectation over time. Um, and you can't just indefinitely cut costs. Uh, it gets harder and harder as you get further down the line, which makes me uh, strive and the people of GSAIT strive to be better technologists and a better CIO. And obviously when we talk about cloud and shared services, there's a whole opportunity there for potential savings too. I know GSA is already in and several of those things. So when we talk about these big strategy things, Margie, when we talk about cloud and shared services, talk a little bit from OMB's perspective. How are you helping people like Rod and Dave push toward that transformation goal? Well, I think the ways that we're helping the agencies move forward are the following. We're trying to get all of the pillars in place that are necessary for agencies to actually effectively execute on the strategy. And those include the financial aspects of the equation, uh, so things like MGT and working capital funds and looking at budgets in a hard way uh, to understand how we would move more money from uh, the operation and maintenance side to the DMME side and to make uh, uh, the big plays that we're talking about, which include uh, things like uh, we're working on with GSA for a government-wide standpoint, like cloud.gov, like login.gov, which would include enterprise services uh, that uh, agencies can utilize and they can peel off the top of their existing services so they can actually save some money and then reinvest it in their own IT modernizations. The expectation is that we need to change our governance model and everything that surrounds the actual modernization activity so that agencies can more effectively um, get to acquisitions and access faster. Uh, so a lot of the agile acquisition that we're doing within 18F and with U in USDS is very important. Uh, also, uh, making sure that we uh, provide the right strategies in the sense of picking a few things and driving them to ground. One that comes to mind uh, that I think a couple of agencies have already successfully executed against um, is the ability to adopt uh, software as a service in the cloud, uh, particularly things that are u as ubiquitous as the collaboration space, uh, email, uh, document management, the ability to share information uh, across multiple agencies and to work on uh, unified initiatives. So you brought up an interesting piece, put together the, the pillars in place. There's several of them, cloud security or security more broadly is, is a big one, obviously. You, you talk about uh, the potential of MGT and, and the, the budget request uh, establishing the IT modernization fund. What are, what are some of the other pillars? If, if there's a couple other ones in there? Yeah, uh, on the security side, I think uh, the progress that we've made, starting with the Sprint as, as long ago as, as 2015, it's setting the um, expectation that we're going to work in a risk-based manner. I'm sorry, that's hard, to, a little bit hard to say very risk closely. Risk-based risk -based risk -based manner, exactly. yes. Um, but uh, centering on the NIST framework and understanding uh, the way it lays out how you could uh, effectively describe and and accept risk and understanding that every uh, agency's environment is quite different 
and you need to understand the landscape, your ecosystem, uh, your technologies that are in place, as well as, most importantly, your data. Uh, and understanding that, and we've been marching people through this process of identifying high-value assets and the most important data that is part of their mission for about two years now. So uh, I think the agencies are well prepared when and if MGT becomes a reality to use cybersecurity and that risk-based methodology to uh, choose what they would modernize first. Cybersecurity uh, is one of the key criteria by which you would make that choice. And I think that's a great point leading up to potential MGT, and I think we'll talk about it later in the, in the discussion. Agencies then, okay, here's what's most important to me that really needs to be addressed first. Both, it's good to see David and Roder shaking their heads. Uh, but before we turn to them and ask them to, to more about that, let's turn to Angie from Lidos. Uh, what are you seeing from federal customers when they talk to you guys about IT modernization? What's top of their mind and, and how are you guys helping them? Yeah, so we have the great honor to help about 80% of the cabinet level agencies across the federal um, government and as well as commercial clients. And so we see kind of a vast array. Uh, we also are responsible for transforming our own environment internal to Lighthouse, and so we have this um, great broad perspective. And so we see everything from obviously cybersecurity, which is on the top of every single customer's mind, um, and making sure that they stay ahead of the attackers um, because they're constantly evolving. From an IT perspective, it's reducing those O&M costs that you mentioned earlier, right, to be able to realign their budgets so they can buy more mission, buy more capabilities. And we really try to focus when we talk with our customers about not only technology, but also the people and processes behind them so that we can take advantage of the technology once it's transformed to make their businesses more efficient, more secure, and that they have the people that can actually provide support to those transformed environments so that they can can have the best enterprise for their organization. So when we talk about two things, cyber top of mind, mm -hmm. transferring, moving cost structure, is that moving of cost happening? Do you see that when, when agencies come to you with an RFP or, or task order that you guys are bidding on or, or even just work that you're already in the middle of? Do you see that the shift happening, or is it still they're still spending too much? Well, we know they're spending too much money on uh, O and M, but but generally speaking, so clients that are most successful when they buy for some sort of effect, right? So they buy um, where it incentivizes their partners, their contractors, to help them make things more efficient, um, to create some sort of capability for them, whether it's a, as a service type of a capability, um, as opposed to buying, I'll say, people, it, right, butts and seats. And I think, I think that's the key. We've heard that for years, right? Don't just buy butts and seats. Uh, one of the things that, that happens during the transformation is, is does it ebb and flow, right? Certain, certain parts of the year when, when Congress is maybe a little slower than usual to get the budget passed or normal than usual than get the budget passed. And then there's Trans, uh, there's, there's times during, for instance, a presidential transition. So let me maybe start with Dave. Do you see that ebb and flow a little bit, or, or is modernization transformation for GSA kind of a, a straight line in the sense of you have some ups and downs, but generally speaking, you're on a, you're on a glide path? Right. So we absolutely see an ebb and flow in business objectives and business priorities. I mean, we run the presidential transition, so we have a front <laughs> seat so we can see this up close and, uh, and center. Um, but we've been very fortunate over, certainly as long as I've been at GSA, um, to have front offices from both administrations that uh, see technology as an enabler, uh, as a transformation agent, and as a foundational element to the business delivery uh, that we provide to our agency customers. And because of that, because they're somewhat agnostic about politics uh, and they see technology as a great enabler, um, we've had great leadership in that regard. So the delivery of IT under that changing business environment has been very, very consistent. And one of the ways that allows us to do that is um, we're, you know, we've, we're completely sold out on Agile. And so we make our investments in small incremental bits. We make our delivery in small incremental bits. We've pushed towards continuous delivery and continuous integration so that as the business priorities shift and change through things like administration changes or you take on new business or shed business, uh, we're able to keep the technology stack and delivery very closely aligned to that changing business. Now, now Rod, some people say because of the presidential transition, 
the transformation got hung up when you see the Fatara scorecards. And we're not going to go down that path and talk about commerce of scores. I'd love to, though. I don't remember what they are. <laughs> but, but, but nothing is a stop and go. So talk about the continuation you're, you're doing, you're helping with the commerce. Well, I like what Angie said in terms of buying for effect. Um, because I want to focus on that effect. You know, if you have a culture, a transformation culture within your organization whereby you understand the need to transform, you understand the need to, to move forward in the areas that are going to give you greater efficiency, going to give you uh, increased savings, if you will, and maybe moving the commodity IT into more of a unity rather than having each functional area manage their own. I think if you have that kind of a culture within your organization, then it makes it easier to bridge those gaps, if you will, in terms of transitions, whatever transitions we may be talking about. And so our goal, my goal, as the acting CIO of Commerce is to provide that that culture within the organization, a culture of understanding that, you know, hey, this is what we need to do. This is the focus that we need to have. This is where we need to go, and here's why. And so to the extent that I can explain that to the executives and the management within the Department of Commerce, I think we've had actually some successes in bridging those gaps and moving forward, and I think that's critical. And in many ways, because of what you're doing, it's not a stop and a go, right? right? I mean, if you're, just take the easy example, Margie, you talked about software as a service. If you're moving software, software to the cloud, and the presidential transition happens, or even a new secretary comes in, it's not like, oh, we gotta stop until they come in, and there, you're three quarters of the way there, I imagine. And the key is to keep moving. The key is to keep, gotta keep moving. You gotta keep moving. All right, well, on that note, let's take a quick break. We're gonna move to the next segment, but we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. For decades, Lidos has been trusted by government and business to solve complex challenges with the application of IT, engineering, and science. Now integrated with Lockheed Martin IS&GS, Lidos is more capable than ever. The talented people at Lidos are transforming IT and cybersecurity for the critical missions that customers carry out every day, all designed for the complexity of the changing world. Hear more at federalnewsradio.com using the search term Lidos. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Angie Heisey, the Civil Group President for Lidos, Dave Shive, the Chief Information Officer at the General Services Administration, and Rod Turk, the Acting Chief Information Officer at the Commerce Department. Now, before break, we were talking about this idea of transformation and, and how has it kind of been running through each agency, and Margie, from your perspective, uh, the broad perspective, we brought up the MGT Act, Modernizing Government Technology Act. That's working its way through Congress. It passed the House. Tell us, Margie, give us a, as much as an update you, as you can with what's happening in the Senate. Well, we're preparing right now uh, to operate as if, and what I mean by that is we're operating as if it is going to uh, pass. It shows very promising signs at this point. Uh, we are working through the legislative conversations that we have between our ledge affairs uh, area and the Hill. Uh, we're getting uh, requests for technical assistance, so uh, there are questions that are being answered uh, as we speak. Uh, we expect that it will probably uh, get some consideration after the August recess. Uh, so a couple months away still, which is good. Yeah. But in the meantime, agencies have to prepare. So Agencies do have to prepare, and we have to prepare at OMB, and particularly uh, for the staffing of the board and for the uh, mechanics of how the board is actually going to work, and GSA is going to be one of our partners in that endeavor. And what we've done is we've uh, stood up an initiative to run a mock board. Uh, we are including individuals that have expertise in uh, financial management, in procurement, as well as technology. And we have had the first kickoff meeting uh, with that group of individuals. Uh, they have brought their expertise to the table, and what we want to glean from that is how would we actually run the board? For example, uh, what kinds of proposals would we expect to see? How would we expect to see them? What kind of data analytics should we put behind those and the business cases to support them that would effectively allow the senior executives on this board uh, to look across the landscape and the number of proposals that we receive and do the trade-offs and uh, make the choices that are most appropriate uh, for the next dollar to be most effective. 
uh, as you know, we have uh, a certain amount of money that's uh, in the president's budget. The expectation is that uh, we need to use that very judiciously because this is the flywheel. We're going to get the flywheel started and it's going to provide momentum. It, it is not by any means, uh, nor do we call it out as being uh, the answer to all problems. Uh, what it is, is it's an uplift and it's, a, it's an addition to the equation uh, that's going to allow people to get started. And we're hoping uh, what people will do is they will see it as a as an element of their overarching funding strategy. Uh, so for example, we would not expect it to um, you know, to be the programmatic um, modernization that you would see, for example, in an FAA or in a Census 2020. Uh, but what it will be is it will be an addition to the equation to allow them to adopt certain services, to migrate to uh, certain centralized services, to software as a service, or to utilize as an addition to the equation. So my little antenna went off, and my reporter antenna went off as you talk about the, the mock uh, board, can you just go over a little bit more about that in terms of is it people from across the government? Is is it mostly OMB folk right now? Who's making it up? And then when you run through it, do you actually have a real case study that you're you're talking about, or is it just you know a group of people in a room who are kind of talking through the issues as it may happen? Yeah, uh, it is from across the federal government. We've uh, asked for agency participation as well as some entities from OMB. Uh, I said it was multidisciplinary, so we've already stated that. Um, we're also talking to outside entities like venture capitalists. Uh, we haven't reached out yet, but as soon as we get the first input from our government uh, executives, we're going to go out to venture capitalists and say, how do you look at different um, investments that you are uh, looking at in terms of, of the trade-offs and which would you choose? Uh, so. The elements of the criteria uh, are going to be adjudicated within that process. Um, the expectation is that uh, by the time we get to uh, the actual launching of the board, uh, that we have will have walked through uh, what those business cases look like. And yes, we are going to use true business cases and run it as if we were actually operating the board. Uh, as this experiment goes forward. Very interesting, very cool. I'd love to, obviously, when you get closer to that VC discussion, I'm sure a lot of us would be interested to learn more about it. Uh, one of the key central pieces of the MGT Act is agencies would, would create working capital funds in agencies. And, and as, as I've talked about before, several agencies already have them. GSA is one of those. Commerce is one of those. Mm -hmm. So let me start with Dave from GSA. Talk a little bit about how this concept, this idea of the MGT and creating working capital funds, you guys are already in many ways doing. Sure. So the construct of MGT, uh, it's pretty well known. It makes a lot of sense. On the revolving fund side, it makes sense that there would be a capital investment in le legacy and high-risk uh, programs. There will be great value derived out of that. On the working capital fund concept side, uh, it makes a lot of sense as well and can be a true transformation catalyst for uh, federal government agencies. Uh, GSA has been operating out of uh, working capital fund for years now, and it was actually key to our transformation play that we started back in late 2011. Um, through strong leadership in our front office uh, and strong leadership with our contributing business unit to contribute into that working capital fund, create a shared service um, IT delivery mechanism, um, we uh, gained a couple of things. One, um, we uh, set aside some money out of that working capital fund for transformation and we garnered agreement with the executives, the business owners within GSA, that if there were uh, realized savings through those transformation plays, that we could reinvest those into additional transformation plays, rather than taking that money and giving it back through bill relief to the participating uh, businesses of GSA. And that was key. That's what allowed us to do that transformation play again and again and again. Now, the returns from a financial standpoint, they get smaller each time. Um, you can't do that play indefinitely, but what we've found is a typical agency like GSA can do it effectively over a five-year period and gain 19 or 20 percent uh, cost savings and deliver better IT value um, and mobile enable your workforce and drive stuff to the cloud and uh, use technology as an enabler rather than just a commodity to be you know, cut over time. The, the key to that is understanding where you're starting from, right? If you don't know your as is, you can't get to your 2B. Always at the throwing a little bit of architecture in any of our discussions. Did you guys have that baseline? Did you know what 
the Federal Acquisition Service or Public Building Service was paying for email before you moved it to the cloud as an example? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I'll push back on your original comment just a little bit. You know, like my enterprise yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we intuitively know yeah. that maybe IT investments are not um, 100% well spent. And so uh, doing an analysis to get a baseline is a good body of work to do, but I don't think it should be a showstopper and it certainly shouldn't um, preclude work from starting. Um, that said, we did do a fair amount of backward looking into um, the IT spend throughout the organization. This was before we were a consolidated IT shop, so um, we had pockets of IT running all throughout the organization. Our visibility backwards, the further back you got, was a bit dimmer, um, but there was some things you could know. So we were able to work a pretty decent baseline, probably 80% confidence off of that, but you know, that's good enough to make a good executive decisions. Going forward, we immediately started zero-based budgeting. People will you know, argue the value of zero-based budgeting in the federal government all day long. We saw great value. We measured where every single dollar um, directed towards IT was spent and in support of IT delivering its mission. Uh, and with that kind of very, very clear view, that's how we're able to measure our savings over time. Uh, Rod, you guys had a similar experience. You guys also have a working capital fund. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about commerce's experience. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to start off, though, with a couple of uh, comments about MGT, which I think there's going to be a couple of, at least two in my mind, unintended consequences, if you will, or maybe they are intended, I don't know, but uh, as the uh, MGT moves forward. The first of which, as Margie mentioned, that this is a multidisciplinary effort. You know, she mentioned that there's going to be financial review, there's going to be procurement review, then of course the technology review. And what that tells me is, is that we're looking at a multidisciplinary approach to IT projects which I think is something that we really, 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 really need. This is, not, this is not science projects. This is not, you know, getting in there and doing something really, really cool in the you know, technology area and then looking for a home for it. This is something where the business is going to have to come together along with procurement, along with the technology folks, the financial folks, and craft a serious, serious program that, uh, you know, driving that then to success. I think the other piece is, is that in a working capital fund, you will have to pay this money back eventually, right? So what I think that's going to drive us towards are significant progress or, or projects that are going to save us money. Because in order to pay back that money for the investment we're making in that project, saving money then will be the source by which you then you know, pay that money back for the organization. So I think it's going to be a multidisciplinary approach. I think it's going to be a, a cost savings effort throughout the federal government, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to see where all of that goes as this moves forward. Uh, working capital fund, uh, we do have a working capital fund at the Department of Commerce. We've had some tremendous successes in utilizing our working capital fund for shared services kinds of projects within the department. These are projects that are, are used by every component. Uh, they contribute to the payment uh, process for these, these uh, projects. Uh, two of them come to mind that are significant. One is our implementation of CDM. Uh, so, you know, we've implemented CDM. We put the clients on all the desktops, and all of that is run through our working capital fund. I get to brief the CFOs, the CIOs on a regular basis on the progress of where this is all going and what the, the costs are and how those costs fit into the budgetary process, frankly. And it is a multidisciplinary approach. It's financial, it's procurement, it's technology, uh, and it benefits from that level of scrutiny across all those, those disciplines. The second major uh, shared service uh, that, that we're using the Working Capital Fund for is our Enterprise Security Operations Center that we have currently co-located with NOAA out in Fairmont, West Virginia. Uh, our Enterprise Security Operations Center is a 24-7 operations center that utilizes the feeds from each of our components, the, the cybersecurity feeds from all of the tools, SIM tools and the other tools that they have in the cyber arena, in addition to the feeds that we're going to get from CDM. And uh, this is also an enterprise uh, security and enterprise shared services uh, program that I think have brought tremendous uh, benefits to the Department of Commerce. And we, we expect to use the working capital fund for additional 
kinds of uh, programs uh, similar to those. Mar Margie, I just want to I want to go to Angie before I do that. Let me, Margie, I want you to jump in real quick. It's I always love when when a plan comes together, if you will. Remember the A team, the, the idea that Fatara started the process. I mean, there was, you go even further back, but Fatara started the process of of creating the CIO at the table. And we, we uh, get tired of using that term, I guess, so maybe I should stop. But but this idea that that. IT has to be multidisciplinary, and then you have MGT who comes in as Rod's point and your point. It can't just be the, the CIO making decisions. It's got to bring people in. Is that done on purpose? I always wonder that. Does someone think that far in advance, or, or is it just logical? It's evolution. Uh, I think it was done on purpose. <laughs> uh, and it was done uh, primarily because I think there's a recognition uh, that a, a business executive is multidisciplinary. And this is a business problem that we're trying to solve. We're solving it with technology, uh, but ultimately uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to focus on the end game, which is how do we deliver effective citizen services and how do we deliver our mission behind the lines. So the expectation of the citizen in the United States is that all of those are going to be done well, and they're going to be done in the way they're used to seeing them done in the commercial sector with that kind of speed, with that kind of alacrity, with that kind of user-friendliness, with that kind of, of outcome, uh, positive outcome. So our, uh, our play here is to use these mechanisms uh, to move us into that realm within the federal government. And it's been... It took us a while to get here, uh, and it will take us a while to work our way out of this. Um, and I want to say that I'm hopeful that we can also use the reform executive order. While agencies are looking at the complete reimagining of their mission space and their business, can they use MGT and other mechanisms that we're putting in place to actually help them execute that change? Uh, and if we do that, then we have succeeded. Angie, you were nodding your head a lot. Let's react to what you've heard and, and, and where's industry's role in this MGT discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a lot of business with customers that have working capital funds, and so we definitely see the flexibility of that. We've helped GSA with their cloud implementation. And so for us, it's it's exciting, and we you know want to understand how we can play a role to help our customers, um, help them in several ways, right? They're going to need data so that they can make sure that their business cases are strong when they go to the board. But probably more importantly, I think we can play a role of giving them confidence that it's actually going to deliver the out-year value that they need. Not only value from a mission perspective, but value from a savings perspective, as Rod mentioned, because that's going to have to be paid back. And they're going to want some level of confidence that that can be paid back um, within, you know, within a couple years. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that, that Lidos is not only helping federal agencies mm -hmm. and, and other customers, you're internally too. How difficult from an internal standpoint or from what you're seeing with your federal customers is getting that baseline? I mean, Dave and I may have a little different opinions and I trust <laughs> Dave's much smarter than me, but, but again, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been or something. Yeah, so I think, you know, to, to Dave's point, which I agree with is, how much time do you spend getting that baseline, right? So when it's good enough, and most of our clients, um, you have to snap that chalk line at some point, right? And so determining exactly what your baseline is um, is good enough. And I think for all of us that are, you know, most of us in, are exposed to IT every single day, we know that it transforms the way we do business. We know it tra transforms our personal lives. And so there are some other benefits that other than just what you're going to be able to calculate from the baseline. And so getting that to good enough, um, I will tell you for us, especially with the massive merger that we just did, um, we have a baseline, right, that we measure everything against and what value that we're creating with all of our transformation projects. And uh, Dave, we could talk all day about zero cost budget, zero Zero-based budgeting. That's another. That's like risk management or something. But uh, we're going to take a break instead and not torment people with our conversation. Uh, you're listening to panel discussion, maintaining the IT transformation momentum, sponsored by Lidos on FederalNewsRadio.com, 1500 AM. For decades, Lidos has been trusted by government and business to solve complex challenges with the application of IT engineering and science. Now integrated with Lockheed Martin IS and GS, Lidos is more capable than ever. The talented people at Lidos are transforming IT and cybersecurity for the critical missions that customers carry out every day, all designed for the complexity of the changing world. Hear more at federalnewsradio.com using the search term Lidos. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Angie Heise, the Civil Group President for Lidos, David Shive, the Chief Information Officer at the General Services Administration, Rod Turk, the Acting CIO at the Commerce Department, and Margie Graves, the Acting Federal Chief Information Officer. We spent a lot of time talking at the very high level, the, if you will, the 50,000-foot view of IT transformation. Let's just go to the next level down, maybe the 25,000-foot view. And let me start with Angie. A lot of times agencies will come to a company like Lidos or Lidos will go to them and say, okay, you got to transform. We all know that. How do you do it? Where do you start? And then you, that's when we start talking about things like Agile and cloud and data analytics and the importance of those. Talk a little bit about what agencies maybe should keep in mind and what you're seeing from your customers in, in each of those areas or just pick one. Yeah, so um, let's talk about cloud a little bit because a lot of times you hear cloud and all the cybersecurity concerns about it. But one of the things that we've been encouraging our clients to look at more from a cloud perspective is how they can make that a discriminator from a security perspective. So really build up their resiliency and their re disaster recovery capabilities by moving to the cloud. Uh, we see it in the commercial space significantly and we see a lot of federal clients moving that. The idea of being able to rebuild your entire enterprise or many of your critical assets in a matter of a couple of hours um, is a real discriminator when it comes from a resiliency and disaster recovery perspective. Many times people don't think about that piece of it, right? It's, well, if I can move this to the cloud, is maybe we can save money or become more efficient or make serve citizens better. But that recovery piece, that the resiliency piece is huge, right? If it goes down, <laughs> it's, 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 go ahead. Significant, especially with a lot of adversaries nowadays um, really focusing attacks on a lot of times backup systems first, right? And then the operational systems, um, it could be something that honestly can save your organization. Now, Dave, let me turn to you maybe for a second because you get the dual hat, right? You get the CIO at GSA, but you also sit on the Cloud Security Board, the JAB, the Joint, the joint, uh, the joint Advisory Board. I get authorization. 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 Advisory authorization for, for FedRAMP, the, the Cloud Security Program. Uh, talk a little bit about what you heard from Angie, a little bit about this idea of, of the cloud fits into this transformation piece and, and then the security piece that wraps around it. Sure, so um, just like in the commercial space and just like our citizens expect, the business of GSA, just like the business that our citizens do every single day, doesn't sit within four walls. Um, it is a worldwide or nationwide um, thing and having computing and uh, operations take place within four walls, it's just, it's so 19th century. So, um, so when we moved to the cloud, that was one of the primary reasons. So the business of GSA could take, it, take place any place, anytime, on any device, in a highly secure environment, in a highly secure way. That's one of the great benefits. And uh, another is, just like Angie said, disaster recovery. I used to spend over a million dollars a year doing business continuity, um, planning and testing and activities. I don't have to do that anymore. That happens every single day. We take simple outages and turn those into our business continuity and planning exercises every single um, every single year. Um, so there's massive benefit to doing this. When you expand the compute out beyond your four walls and you expand the use of that compute out beyond the four walls, um, it makes it so that we're operating just like citizens do every single day with their technology now. Um, so. Angie, is that a huge selling point, what Dave just said? Listen, I used to spend a million dollars a year. You know, it's a million dollars. Your budget's 50 million or whatever it is. But still, if you could use that million for mission, wow, what a difference that yeah. can make. Are you seeing customers understanding that uh, that's the that's a, a critical benefit of the cloud? It absolutely is. Not only the savings, but then the um, movement of risk relative to cybersecurity, and I think Margie talked about the NIST framework, but being able to mitigate your risk in a way that also helps you transform your your environment is pretty powerful. Margie, from OMB's perspective, as you talk to Rod and Dave and other CIOs and other executives in, in the departments and agencies about risk, does, where does that bring in understanding not just the cloud piece, but Agile deals with risk, uh, data analytics, understanding your data deals with risk. Talk a little bit about that risk piece and how it kind of spreads across the IT transformation. Well, uh, it's, it's really a key element, and it is in the following manner. Um, the expectation is that people should be able to um, experiment and to be able to learn and to be able to uh, improve as they're going through these short cycles of delivery. Uh, and the ability to do that 
ultimately results in a much better product. It also includes the user in the equation. So the ability to be able to accept a certain amount of risk as you're going through the process is absolutely critical to fostering an environment of innovation and of um, of forward-leaning kinds of approaches to the missions that we deliver today. I think it's important to also focus on the fact that you need to be a good customer. Uh, We always talk about you need to be a good vendor, uh, but in the expectation area, we ought to put the light right back on ourselves and say we need to understand our environments, we need to understand our data layer, we need to be able to operate at the data layer and pull it back from the applications that we have today. And, and from a cybersecurity standpoint, that is huge because we may uh, ultimately, as we look to the future, uh, be working um, in that realm as uh, data uh, moves across Internet as transport. And we won't be relying on hardware. We'll be relying on software-based solutions to actually secure our environments. And when we're looking at that kind of a future, it's all that much more important that you understand uh, your baselines and your current environment, like you've just been saying throughout this program. Uh, being a good customer requires that you know that I have things that are cloud-ready, and I'm just going to go do those. I have things that are really um, could be cloud-ready if I go through the following steps and I prepare them as such. And then I have things that are really gnarly, and I just need to start peeling off uh, layers uh, in those environments to understand uh, when I get down to the core, and then I may have to do some refactoring, but I will reduce the amount of refactoring I have to do if I do those other things first. So, Rod, what does your whiteboard look like? Do you have the gnarly, the could-be-ready, and definitely-already well, We've definitely list? got the gnarly. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> doubt, no doubt in my mind about that. Cybersecurity, CISO hat for just a moment, because I absolutely agree with Margie in terms of the, the cybersecurity aspects of this. And what I've found is one of the, sometimes the more you change, the more things don't change, really. Uh, because when we take a look at moving to the cloud, moving to uh, different uh, services uh, outside of our normal environment, you have to look at the boundaries. So what I mean by that is, what is the boundary between what is the responsibility of, of uh, the federal government versus the contractor or the cloud or any other service that you might? So you're not so that the boundary then is well defined, so that there's there's things that uh, cybersecurity issues that don't fall off the table as they traverse the boundary. I've seen this; uh, those kinds of risks uh, appear in some cloud-based kinds of of, of uh, uh, excursions that we've gone on. I think it's also critical that we keep track of the data as we move more towards a digital uh, type of, of uh, economy and a digital process. I mean, let's face it, you know, the millennials today, the, uh, the, the youngsters today, I guess, since I'm a little long in the tooth here, um, they are used to having tremendous computing power in their hands. You know, when I first got into IT, I was amazed by this bank of Winchester drives, you know, five megabytes each one, a bank that went on forever, you know, not even a gig's worth of storage, but yet you can put terabytes in your hands these days. So we have to look to the future to see what what our customers are going to want, and they're going to want that computing power in their hands at a moment's notice, 24-7, 365. And having a a knowledge of what your architecture is, putting your your, your cybersecurity in place so that the data that you have is protected, and that you enable then, as a cybersecurity practitioner, you enable the uh, your customers to be able to do what they need to do in that kind of an environment, I think that's what we need to be looking for in the future. And that goes back, I think, Dave, to this idea of user-centered design, user experience, and it goes back <coughs> to this idea of why incremental works and agencies and, and, and other organizations are moving in that direction because, well, if we, if we don't meet what the user's needs are and we put something out there and no one's going to use it, we've failed in two, two senses. So you guys are all into Agile. You mentioned that earlier. Talk a little bit about how you're using it to kind of ensure doing what Rod just kind of mentioned about meeting users' needs and, and, and keeping people engaged in the right way. Right. So, um, you know, you can ignore everything I've said so far today if you just get this one point. So, um, Agile, if done wrong, uh, can be a very dangerous thing. What it does is it allows you to rapidly deliver bad stuff if you do it 
wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, you have to develop the right muscles inside and the good practices necessary to deliver rapidly, recognizing the risks associated with delivering rapidly. Um, so you do smart things. I'll, I'll get very specific here. Um, you make sure when you're developing your list of sprints to deliver that you keep the delivery time horizons very short so that if you're delivering in the wrong direction, uh, you can pivot back to the right direction very quickly. Um, when you develop your list of deliverables, you don't have only delivery sprints in there. You're very specific about saying, we're going to have a technical debt recovery sprint built in into that period. You, um, where you're not delivering any product that has to be okay with your consumers. You drive in also a security sprint, so you have um, periodic reviews of what you're doing and make sure that security is of equal importance to delivering product, shipping product to your customer. That's a good thing for your customers to hear. It helps them become better consumers of the technology that you're providing. Angie, are you starting to see that request from agencies for that Agile for delivery, or are you still getting maybe a little too many waterfall uh, type of RFPs? I will say most of our clients probably have moved to Agile over the years, um, and we're fortunate that we have a, a large group of software developers that are very um, adept and trained in Agile methodology and experienced, um, to kind of Dave's point, of making sure that we stay aligned with the key stakeholders' uh, requirements and intent, and that we can make adjustments along the way um, with those stakeholders. But, but as Margie said, you got to be good customers too, right? So, so Margie, how are you ensuring Dave's a good customer or, or Rod's a good customer from an OMB perspective? So we're going to go 50,000 foot again because you, can't, you can't, can't micromanage them, I know that. Right. Well, I think we have a very effective working CIO council where we discuss these topics and everybody puts their ideas on the table and then ultimately informs the kind of policy and guidance that comes out of OMB. Uh, because our ultimate goal here is for every piece of policy and every bit of guidance to actually help agencies get to where they're going. Uh, that hasn't always been a success. Uh, we're going through our policy compendium right now uh, to get some of the, uh, of the uh, less effective uh, elements out of the equation. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we need to make sure that we um, that we have those conversations, that we keep an open dialogue. And what I'm always in, uh, in the CIO Council doing is I'm in listening mode in the following manner. Um, what are the pain points that are coming forward? Where are the gaps uh, that are affecting adoption and, and the ability to implement? Uh, what are the blockers uh, in our own world, in the bureaucracy part of the equation. So, uh, you know, how do we streamline um, ATOs? How do we, uh, how do we address the tick architecture? These are all the things that I've been talking about um, for the last few months as things that we're tackling because agencies are coming forward and saying these are the things that keep us from getting there. And then, you know, for instance, the Tick Architecture have had several conversations with CIOs, especially the ones with uh, worldwide, ex you know, expansion. State Department is just one example. It, it's they want to meet it. They, they they see the importance, but again, it's like, okay, how do I find the right balance? So, uh, it's the right capability, but it's the wrong architecture. And you you know you you spoke about architecture earlier um, because things have changed so dramatically. And this was done seven or eight years ago. You should just change the approach. The idea is correct, and the capability and the security posture is correct. And the big differentiator, of course, is our conversation about transformation and cloud. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Unfortunately, we're, we're, we're almost out of time, so I always like to get away a question. Uh, I started on this side of the table with Rod to begin with, so we're going to start on that side of the table with Angie. So, Angie, if we have this conversation again in a year, two, three from now, what's IT transformation going to look like? What's it going to mean from, from where you sit in, in industry? Yeah, so it's probably one of the things I love most about being in IT and technology is it constantly changes. So, you know, I expect um, the whole voice control to be part of our everyday business. Um, you know, walking into a conference room and telling whether it's Alexa to set up the conference room in a particular way absolutely is going to be something that everyone is implementing. Um, Internet of Things, every person has probably many, many devices that connect via either Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and our businesses are not going to be any different. And so making sure that we're securing them and we're incorporating them in a way that not only just puts the technology as 
as part of our enterprises, but actually drives our organizations to be more efficient, to operate better, and in the end, deliver better critical citizen solutions. Margie, three, two, three, five years from now, what's our conversation going to look like? Well, I'm excited about the art of the possible here. Uh, obviously, we're looking at AI and the different uses of AI in the future. Uh, that can be um, so game-changing. In, in addition, we've been talking about cybersecurity and high transaction volume uh, mission spaces uh, like census, et cetera. Uh, that expectation would be that we would be able to use technologies and approaches like blockchain. You know, maybe we start looking at certain things that uh, that are a little bit out on the edge right now, but uh, could be where we end up in two to three years. Uh, so always being conscious of that is important. All right. Dave, what's GSA going to look like? So uh, I'll talk in very practical terms uh, this time. So uh, I'll, I see significant reuse and maximized use value through the use of shared services across the federal government. And uh, I see... Uh, significant open technologies so that the citizens who make investments through agencies to provide services back to them are making that investment once and it's being used again and again and again throughout the federal enterprise. So. Right, Rod, take us home. So here's what I, here's what I would say. I, I, I like what John Chambers uh, talks about when he talks about some of his successes and some of the things that he wished that he you know, had looked at a little bit more closely. And I think it all boils down to being agile, moving quickly, he said that his greatest successes are moving as quick as possible and uh, towards uh, you know the, the market outcome. But he said some of his biggest regrets also were moving too quickly. <laughs> now, what he means by that, though, is you really, really have to be agile. You have to move quickly in order to meet your customers' needs. But on, on the back side, you need to have in place the processes, procedures, standards, repeatable processes that allow you to do that in a successful way. And I think that's what we need to be looking at in the federal government. We need to be moving quick, but we've got to have that, that back end standards, policies, and procedures to make sure that we do it in the right way. All right, excellent. Uh, this has been a great conversation, but unfortunately that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. I'd like to thank my guests today, Angie Heisey, the Civil Group President for Lidos, David Shive, the Chief Information Officer for the General Services Administration, Margie Graves, the Acting Federal Chief Information Officer, and Rod Turk, the Acting CIO for the Commerce Department. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Lidos. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Maintaining the IT Transformation Momentum, sponsored by Lidos on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Lidos.